I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Well, hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse podcast from the Front Row Network, the podcast about all things Disney. And we are going to be breaking down a brand new movie, the, the newest installment from Disney Pixar, Toy Story 4. And this is going to be a full disclosure, which means it'll be a spoiler-filled review. So if you have not seen the movie yet, we would highly suggest that you go out and check this film out. Um, it's making quite a bit of money at the box office, and it really is a great continuation of the story for some of our favorite characters and also for some new characters that we're just learning to discover. So my name is Craig. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Brett Rutherford. Hello. And Vanessa Ferguson. Hi. So I think, Vanessa, the first thing we should do is send a huge thank you to the Sagamon Valley Youth Symphony for allowing yes. us to uh, do the Disney Trivia Night. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and a recap of the event? Yeah, so recap, it was amazing, and we had a great time. Uh, so basically what we did was we hosted a Disney Trivia, uh, trivia uh, event for the Sagamon Valley Youth Symphony as a fundraiser. Uh, we had a great time. It was filled up room, pretty really great attendance. We asked all kinds of Disney questions, uh, things that you'd probably know if you're a casual Disney fan. And then we asked some really tough Disney questions. So mm -hmm. uh, if you are a Disney expert, I hope you had a great time and had to really dig deep into those Disney archive files in your brain to answer some of the questions. Um, I learned a lot, had a great time, and I think we all had a good time hanging out and we're glad to raise a little bit of money for the Youth Symphony. So thank you all for coming, and uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, it'd be great to uh, to be able to do that again and to be able to just continue to do these Disney trivia nights because literally the questions are endless. And, yeah. of course, the only one that got a question wrong in their preparation was me. So I apologize to the two of you <laughs> for um, for getting a question wrong. And uh, thank you to Table oh, 15. Table 15. Table 15 for calling me out on it. So anyway, um, let's go ahead and dive right into Toy Story 4. Again, this is full disclosure, meaning full spoilers for this film. Uh, but let's talk our first impressions. And I will first go to Brett. Tell me about your first and second viewing of this movie <laughs> and what your thoughts were. Well, I think I'm still processing it. Um, but Let's see, my first impression, I, well, I think I'm still processing it, so my impressions continue. Um, I liked it, <laughs> but um, I think, um, as, as I told Vanessa earlier, I, it's, it's amazing to me how um, these Pixar films can, um, can make you think um, so much about life and life big you know big like life events and that sort of thing so so i mean so i'm still processing but overall i enjoyed and you also said like how do they keep making us relate to these characters that are not real people they are just toys there was a point so uh brett and i went to see this i saw, went with you on your second mm -hmm. showing yeah mm -hmm. and then there's that part of the film where they're just showing all the characters looking at each other and i i know i'm crying and then i hear brett like and i'm, I'm like and then we're like why are we crying they're just toys <laughs> they're animated toys they're animated that. toys they're not real people but i feel i feel it in my heart and my soul like i just feel so sad it knows pixar knows how to grab our emotions and our our 
communal experiences mm-hmm. and and how to exploit them. <laughs> yes, and you know they have a certain empathy to all of their characters that uh, really shines through, and just these like real life human emotions, and particularly uh, those types of uh, emotions and. Um, experiences that we all go through growing up. So, you know, that's that was kind of my takeaway from the film. I really enjoyed it. I've only seen it once, but uh, got to see it with my son. And, you know, I uh, wrote a blog post about this on the frnpod.com website, but uh, essentially I was sort of had some trepidation about this particular installment of the film because Toy Story 3, one of my favorite movies, probably in my top 10 list of all time, Mm -hmm. uh, not just Disney movies, and I just really enjoyed that end to the story. So what were they going to do from here? And uh, as I said in that piece, I, I really think that this was a passing of the torch type of movie. Um, and I, I think we could see a lot more coming in the future. I mean, obviously, this, this movie is probably going to make somewhere in the area of $800 million to a $1 billion worldwide. So it's not like they could stop. Uh, you know, it, I understand that they might lose some of the mains, and we'll talk about that potentially. But they really gave us some really cool new characters to chew on and maybe some side adventures and things like that that they could explore. But essentially, uh, to summarize my my blog on it, I just think that I was looking at it way too much as uh, this is my interpretation, my generation, and really Toy Story is something that could continue into my son's generation and even to infinity and beyond, let's say. So anyway, uh, Vanessa, what are dad. what are your thoughts? Um, I uh, kind of I was telling Brett when we were, started watching it that I was kind of going in with lower expectations, um, it, just because it is a sequel and, and it's the fourth movie fourth installment of this of the story so you know the first one first one you see i remember seeing the first movie and just thinking it was so amazing it was so funny it was so fresh and that's really hard to replicate the second time the third time and now the fourth time so um you know i i didn't expect much but i left feeling really satisfied really happy i thought it was funny i thought it was a good good storyline actually um (laughs) I'm uh, my 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 big takeaway is actually the opposite of what I think. What your takeaway was is I I, I think is this the end? I, I saw people posting online that because of the way the story ends with uh, spoiler, Woody leaves the group, the gang. Um, no more Woody in the group. Is this the end of Toy Story? So. Um, it, I left feeling a little sad, but it, mm. it was a good story. It was a good sad. Yeah, and I mean, not to like jump around too much, but just think about the potential that you have with the traveling carnival, all those new characters. I mean, you mm-hmm. could, like, if Keanu Reeves wanted to cash in, he could do a whole Duke Kaboom movie and people would go see it. You know, there's, well, there's I a don't lot. I know about that. <laughs> <laughs> there's, um, there's a lot of opportunities yeah, here. Yeah, I saw some people say that, like, Duke Kaboom was the funniest part of the whole film. I was like, can uh, we? I don't know. Get off this Keanu Reeves train already. He is everywhere. He's having quite the summer, isn't he? He is. Um, but, you know, I, I, and sorry, Lou, hair, uh, Guilty Pleasures host, he absolutely loves Keanu Reeves. I and like actually Keanu celebrates, Reeves too. Celebrates his birthday with cake and everything. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that is a level of fandom rarely reached. But I think there's a lot of opportunities that you could do. You could even do, like, 
a, a Bo Peep story of, of those nine years in, her, mm-hmm. you know, in between oh. Toy Story two and Toy Story four. There's a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. I just think that there's there's potentially more stories to tell. And one of the reasons for that, um, this is a brand new creative team. Uh, John Lasseter is the one that brought us Toy Story, and of course he's had a bit of a falling out with Pixar and Disney. So now Josh Cooley takes the reins, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that also brought me a little bit of trepidation here is that these are beloved characters, and sometimes when there is a change at the top of that creative uh, pyramid, then you could lose some of what makes that character so special. Mm-hmm. That to me didn't happen at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought that you know Buzz and Woody's relationship was only expanded. Uh, we've got glimpses of our past favorites. I think one of the complaints of the movie is that you didn't see as many of the past uh, toys interacting because a lot of them were left on the RV. Yeah. But I kind of liked that. I don't know. I felt a little bad for Buzz uh, because I thought he had a little more development, like a little more awareness. And they, I felt like he kind of took a step back and with the internal voice thing. Like, it's like Buzz, Buzz knows he's... He's a toy, like he. But I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, but I, I kind of like something along the way. Yeah, I don't think that. Uh, I, I missed. I missed the Buzz relationship. We got more, much more Forky than we did Buzz. <laughs> so I was reading an article that came out today that uh, Tom Hanks has done an interview, and he essentially said that it took him a lot to come back to this role because mm-hmm. he thought the trilogy was the trilogy, and that that they were going to be done with it. Um, and I don't <laughs> when know. It I, says, it took me a lot. Does that mean like emotionally or like financially? <laughs> it took him a lot in both ways yeah. uh, to be able to come back to this film. Um, but I I liked, again, exploring those newer characters. I thought uh, like adding Key and Peel to the mix. See, to me, they were the funny ones. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, Duke Kaboom. But to me, the comic relief of this movie were Key and Peel, And they did yeah. such a great job just... Uh, interacting not only with each other, but also these old favorites that we had and just immediately being immersed and becoming part of the gang. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm jumping all around here. So let's uh, talk about some of either the characters that we really enjoyed or the actors that we really enjoyed as far as the voice acting is concerned. And Vanessa, I can start with you. Is there somebody that stood out to you in this film or did you like their storyline or, or how they were portrayed? Well, one voice actor that stood out to me because um, I, I know he has passed <laughs> is Don Rickles. Mm-hmm. And I was like anxiously waiting to see if they use any of his voice and they did and um it was i don't know if for those who know i think it's it's just like a it's a nice nod it's an uh in the movie when you're like oh don and then if you stay at the end and cry like brett and i do um <laughs> when they say like in memory of don Riggle, it's, it's so funny because i just pulled myself together through the credits and then they show like in memory of don and i'm like yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm a total mess again so that stood out to me. Um, I really liked. I believe it's um, Jeff Garland, uh, who who uh, butter is Buttercup the unicorn. That's mm-hmm. like, oh, we're gonna send Dad to jail. Oh, uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dad's definitely going to jail. I thought that was, that was so that was funny. A fun payoff for that. I love so. a raspy uh, sounding unicorn. <laughs> that was just great. So that was my favorite. Uh, what about you, Craig? You know, I uh, I gotta say that I really liked uh, Bo Peep's character a lot in this mm. because it actually um, asking my son afterwards that was he like he's got her uh, toy on his wish list now. That's what he wants. Oh yeah. Um, so out of out of this movie, he really would love a Forky, 
and he would love a Bo Peep. And she was just kind of a cool character because, yeah. you know, like at the beginning of Toy Story 1, you kind of remember her from the very beginning sort of awkwardly flirting with Woody in yeah. that first scene. Like yeah. you go back and watch that and you're like, did she just invite him over for the night? You know, that kind of thing. But, yeah. um, but then I don't really remember her much uh, in Toy Story 2 at all. And of course, she was absent from Toy Story 3. So it was really cool to get that character and to be able to get um, that uh, that voice actress back. And I need to remember exactly who played her. Annie Potts. Annie yeah. Potts. Yeah. So, so. Uh, it's it's cool that they were able to expand that character so much and, and give us so much they new. They put Bo Peep in pants. Like, that's <laughs> awesome. I was like, she's wearing pants. I love it. So. It, was, it was interesting when I was doing a little bit of research. They were, and it was kind of it was. Uh, they were talking about uh, kind of the look of the film, and especially Bo Peep. That she is porcelain, so then in her movements you hear little clinks, and you mm-hmm. hear the little clinks of of uh, the sheep. She uses her parting staff or hook mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in order to, to to make graceful landings, so she doesn't shatter. <laughs> well, that's like oh, when her arm falls her. off, yeah, it reminds so you funny. that it's that she's porcelain. And I think maybe more so in this than in any other uh, character in the movie, you see how far animation has come since Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 4. Now, Brett, I, um, I think that maybe your critique of The Incredibles last summer was that we are supposed to believe that this movie starts the second after uh, Incredibles 1. But you had mentioned that sometimes that jump in uh, technology can take you out of a film. Did it, it do did, that for you here? or time. Okay. I, I, yeah, it didn't take me out of it. I think, you know, there was, um, you know, the humans look a little bit different. But actually, that's another comment, I guess, that I found interesting. Well, the, I don't know if we're going to go there, but the inclusiveness of the characters mm-hmm. that you know that Bonnie's mom and dad look like kind of like regular mom and dad people they have mom bods and dad bods mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and uh, I thought that was I thought that was just interesting they weren't you know picture yeah perfect. and even in like the when Bonnie gets um dropped off at what is it kindergarten orientation orientation like the the, one of the first things i notice is there's this little boy with his dad and he's got a a, i think it's pronounced cochlear implant (laughs) and i thought oh how great is that because if you're a kid and you have one and you see this in a disney movie like that's so special Mm -hmm. and I, i just i really applaud disney for making those additions um, just, although subtle, are significant. Subtle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just helps the world uh, make <laughs> us look uh, like real life. And, you know, maybe that's one of the advantages that this film had um, to Toy Story 3 is that uh, Toy Story 3 is focused so much on Barbie and Ken, which, mm-hmm. you know, have their own uh, pop culture type history uh, and almost baggage around that. Uh, but this this story focused more on some... Well, a creature that's essentially created by Bonnie and then also um, on Bo Peep and kind of Mm -hmm. her rebellious side, which is kind of cool. That skunk uh, was also a really neat way to get around. Oh, yeah. I love that thing. That's what I want. I I want a skunk mobile. What was it? Uh, Giggles Mick something. Um, Gosh, what was her name? I have to. uh, Giggles McDimbles. She looked like a little Polly Pocket. Uh I thought that was so cool. She uh, She was so funny to me. I really liked that. Yeah. Very teeny tiny little character that was just really cute and adorable. Um, 
We haven't really mentioned uh, any of the the mains yet. Do we want to give any uh, props to Tim Allen, Tom Hanks, all those folks that are returning? I mean, they really brought in the the same level of performance, I think, in their voice acting. Okay. I I kind of liked the Jiminy Cricket like inner monologue <laughs> thing, only because so in the first film you you see. Buzz not realizing that he's a toy. In the second film, that's kind of carried over, and he's battling Zerg, so it's it's kind of like real-life Buzz as a toy or mm-hmm. in this like character that he is. And then, of course, in Toy Story 3, he becomes much more uh, self-aware of that. But then I, I do still kind of like that we're still seeing a little bit of evolution in a character that's 24 years old, you mm-hmm. know, as opposed to uh, not... I don't know. I kind of liked that whole mm-hmm. Jiminy Cricket vibe that was given off there. Mm-hmm. Well, it was funny. I mean, and I like to, uh, the, the characters are actually talking, like being audible with the humans. So <laughs> that was a funny addition, uh, especially with the GPS going crazy. I mean, how many people have had their GPSs go a little wonky? Like, uh-huh. That was awesome. My son also loved the starting and stopping of the of the RV. Like, yeah. he just thought that that was <laughs> hilarious and they couldn't uh, get it under control. And, and you know, yeah. things are just yelling at them from the GPS. That was a yeah. really funny scene. It was just really well put together. And for an hour and 40 minutes, they got a lot into it. Yeah. And I think we do have to talk about Forky. Yes. I love Forky. I thought he was great. <laughs> I thought I was going to hate it at first because, you know, um, I, I don't know if you noticed, but Forky's blush on his cheeks, I think, is used lipstick from the teacher. So, like, so you guys wouldn't, well, maybe you would know, but I don't think you guys would know when you're wearing lipstick and then you eat lunch, it usually gets on your utensils and then you have to, and then you throw your utensils away. And so when Forky's being created, I noticed he had blush on his cheeks. I'm like, oh, that is some used lipstick on the back of that. That is interesting. Oh my God. So that kind of grossed me out a little bit that she's playing with trash. Uh, Like, you know, because I'm like, oh, this isn't sanitary. But we'll just pretend that Forky is sanitary and uh, he's a really funny character. So is there some like deep philosophical meaning that maybe it's from the teacher and the and Forky <laughs> is teaching us about uh, you know I, I don't know oh maybe gosh. maybe we're going too, oh too gosh. deep there too, too deep, deep too deep too deep, deep. Uh, <laughs> could do a whole philosophy class on Disney Pixar and for sure, sure Forky could. if you're traveling anytime soon Forky is making appearances in Toy Story Land in um, Disney World right now oh cool and so is super creepy Bo Peep. Super creepy, Bopi. Why do you call her super creepy? Because she's wearing pants? Have you seen the picture? No. I'm they going did to like look a, it up right They now. did like a porcelain head for her. Oh, that um, is And it's the stuff of nightmares. Um, she gives, yeah, she gives fairy godmother a run for her. Oh. Mommy. Yeah, fairy godmother okay. doesn't. <laughs> she's terrified. This is, this she's is, almost um, as terrifying as those dummies were in this uh, in this movie. But which, which trigger, is that a trigger for you? Um, yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Because, uh, well, we haven't talked about our least favorite parts of the movie, but that will be mine when we get to it, are these super creepy <laughs> ventriloquist dummies. Because, yes, I am triggered. Thank you. Yeah. I'm <laughs> like going, uh, you, yeah. Because I jumped movie. so much you in the film. Jump. Yeah. Part of that is our uh, Gus Gordon, who was on the podcast of a few episodes ago, is that he deliberately tries to terrify me with the ventriloquist doll that he owns. And he will put it in my workspace, and he will put it in windows that I'm walking by just to terrify me. He even did this last Friday, so it was wow. not even a week ago that he was trying to terrify me. So yes, yes, thank you so for acknowledging have, that. They have a long history about um, allowing their villains, especially in these uh, movies, to tro- sort of be redeemed or to be kind of less scary towards the end of it. You know, whether that's Sid or it's Lotso or even Zerg. But um, I, I can tell you, Christina. 
Hendrix as Gabby Gabby, I uh, I really liked um, sort of where that went because mm-hmm. here's this like really terrifying scene where there where Woody is giving up his voice, you know, giving up his voice box to her, and that could be like really terrifying, and it could just go in a lot of really weird directions, but. Again, that empathy and, and sympathy that you can feel for a villain in the in the movie, um, to me, the most emotional part of this movie was not the Buzz and Woody departure. Mm-hmm. It was Gabby finding her kid. Uh, mm-hmm. Just left me a mess um, because oh, I man. I was you know I was just sitting there like oh my gosh like this this little girl is uh, crying over and she's lost and then she yeah. finds this sort of creepy doll but uh <laughs> but just falls in love with it immediately and yeah. it's like in in felt like she was okay at that point she could go find an adult to find her parents and i don't know the it doll just was lost it was such a mm-hmm. yeah right right mm-hmm. it was such mm-hmm. a good payoff Step for protection. that character <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um any other characters you uh wanted to mention one thing i will say uh going back to disney world for just a second kind of feel bad for jesse because bo peep has taken her spot now <laughs> in front of uh midway mania so oh. she's um yeah so she's uh I guess Jesse is there sometimes, but Bo Peep is there most mm-hmm. of the time in to- Toy Story Land next to Woody now, so kind of encroaching on uh, on Jesse's territory a little bit. Although, in fairness, Jesse has never been like romantic with Woody in the way that uh, Bo Peep was in this film. No. Um, and maybe that's a, a good way to transition into some of our favorite scenes and things. I initially, one of the pieces that made me a little nervous about this film was that I heard Lassiter's idea for it was sort of a romantic comedy between Bo Peep and Woody. Mm-hmm. And in the trailers and things leading up to that, I assumed that that was not going to necessarily be the case. But it seems like Josh Cooley, at least for somewhat kind of kept that idea going mm-hmm. so, yeah. and that uh, relationship I really like to see that develop much more past like the the, the flirting in the first movie to <laughs> a real like kinship and friendship that that blossomed in this film um, even to the point where Bo Peep leaves at one point but then knows that she has to go back to help mm-hmm. Woody and um, I liked it so I guess you could probably classify this a bit as a romantic comedy between the two of them and uh, for all my worrying about that sounding kind of lame it sort of worked yeah I was wondering uh, as we saw the opening credits come up and we're like oh John Lasseter and then um, at the end I saw Rashida Jones Rashida so I think Jones it's, was I just think she's so funny <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know I'm wondering it, it would be great to know the backstory of this like if we could infiltrate Hollywood politics and figure out at what point where this how the story progressed I just think that would be a, a crazy good uh fact to know because mm-hmm. uh, maybe some one of them will write a book about it someday but hmm. um, because it, it does seem like there were there there was a lot of handoff with this with the writing it seems like and, and lots of people involved so um, yeah. which doesn't always well or very often work but it seems right yeah it, I mean yeah. we've heard that before like with uh, some of the Star Wars movies that have come out that they, they get passed around so much that by the end of it they have no vision and the storylines a mess and so I'm really thrilled that this this movie worked so well given mm-hmm. that so much transition it had I think um, this, again back to the thinking so deeply in an animated film um, well quasi deeply I would say but the idea that there were and early on and even I watched it twice and I was going to watch it again um, to see 
someone, I think it was, it's be who you are now was a phrase that I even texted myself. And I don't know exactly who said that, but it was early on and just these little gems of ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one in, in Wreck-It Ralph, you know, that was similar and, you know, like, kind of like this, this uh, just a statement of, you know, philosophy that I'm just like going, that is so cool. But be who you are now. I'm like going, wow, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. I thought that was cool. I'm starting to wonder if we just get our therapy sessions from watching Disney movies. <laughs> That's what's saving us so much on our pocketbook, guys. And just like Disney Plus is right around the corner, so you can watch them all day, every day. We are going to yes. be the most enlightened people by yes. the end of this. <laughs> so, uh, Brett, tell me some of your favorite scenes or favorite moments from the film. Hmm. I think, I don't know if it was, I guess it was a the personal growth, I guess it was a favorite, the personal growth that that Woody uh, goes through during this time. I don't know if it's personal growth or if it's um, if it's kind of um, going against the beliefs that you've always held. Because um, at one point, at one point, do you consider a job done and you move on and you think of yourself? You know, that's kind of like one of the themes of this is that you know, he finds happiness outside um, the world of being someone's toy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. like, that's interesting. I'm like going, does that go against everything that he's always stood for? Right. Well, it's like toy yeah. retirement, I guess, in a way. I know, and... but that was, he was he was in the closet for a week, mm-hmm. so to speak. Anyway, yeah. he was in the, you know, he wasn't used for, he wasn't being what? played with. And, you know, and, and he has, you know, he does, especially in the first Toy Story, he is jealous of anyone who is not. When he's not the number one toy, he has issue with that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, Toy Story 1 was just on the other day, and I was able to watch part of it. I'm like going, you know, he's yeah, he's, he's not all good, <laughs> actually. So. Yeah, well, definitely I mean, in eventually, that first one, yeah. You know, eventually he turns around, and but, uh, but this I'm like going... You know, and the other question I had was, you know, in the lead up to this was, you know, there was this, the whole Tim Allen and um, and Tom Hanks, well, have you read the last scene? You know, it really tears you up. I'm like going, well, what scene was that? Did, did that not make it? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't know because, you know, other than the, other than the, she'll be okay, Bonnie will be okay. That was really the only interaction mm-hmm. between them. You know, well, they like, did the when the RV was pulling away. I thought it was, I thought it was emotional for. It was emotional, but when, it wasn't, but there wasn't dialogue really. Yeah, well, I mean, there was that the, the one the two the two of them did have their last lines potentially in the franchise. Right, are uh, Tom Hanks Woody says to infinity, and then Buzz says and beyond, or it's reversed. I could be getting that wrong, but like I I don't know. It seemed like a nice capsulation, and yeah. and I think part of that might be. They, uh, in, you know, going with what you're saying, I think those two are done with mm-hmm. this, uh, with Toy Story. But yeah. I just don't know that the series is done. Um, how do you do it without Buzz and Woody? I don't know. Maybe you do it as an animated series on Disney Plus or something. But, um, mm-hmm. but it's Oops. something that uh, I think that they could still use some of these characters. Um, but, yeah, uh, 
What What do you think? Any well, particular scenes you want to call out? I'm particularly uh, bummed out now that we're talking about that last scene and how much I, I like. I so you guys are talking. I'm flashing back. I'm like about ready to cry. <laughs> so I will take it to a lighter note and say I really liked uh, some of the dialogue Forky had. Uh, um, I especially liked when Gabby Gabby is taking him into the cabinet. And I think he mentions Andy. And she's like, who's Andy? And he's like, oh, yeah, well, what do you used to have a kid? You know, I don't think he's ever gotten over it. Like, I just thought that was Which so you great. don't know with, with her if she's, at that point, she's in a sort of get uh, information that she can use against them. We don't know what her ulterior motives uh-huh. are. And, we, mm-hmm. and they kind of switch because she really wants... She just wants to be loved, you know, like mm-hmm. any toy. And so you don't, when she's talking, when she's talking to uh, to Buzz, and, and no, sorry, when she's talking to uh, uh, Woody, and you know, just tell me, I just, just tell me what it's like, you know, basically what it's like to, mm-hmm. you know, to have uh, a child, you know, to be, you know, yeah, the child's very special toy. And I think that, I mean, that kind of shows what her, um, her motivation throughout the entire thing, it was a little dark there at times, but I think that was her henchman's fault. You know, she was, you know, mm. she... Mm. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think her character was extremely... Had an, an interesting arc, you know, to go from someone who's, you know, has rather ulterior motives and rather nefarious and, you know, getting someone's voice box. And, and then she turns and then she just wants to be loved. But by, if I swear, if they bring these characters back... For like a meet and greet at the parks, they did it with Lotso, and I always thought that was so weird because he's a bad guy. Yeah. And they usually do it on Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween mm-hmm. Party that they'll bring Lotso yeah. out, and apparently he smells like strawberries. Strawberries. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Well, all the plushes ventured. and things do. Okay, well, I haven't gotten close enough to to take a whiff. But if if they bring back Gabby, Gabby, or any of the ventriloquist dolls at that party, I'm done. I'm yeah. not going. I, I, you hear me, Disney? I will not pay for admission for this. <laughs> well, if anything, maybe they'll end up in Toy Story Land, and you don't like Hollywood Studios. There anyway, you go. So. That's that's just fine. Uh, <laughs> I would say that you know, it my my one of my favorite scenes actually uh, sort of goes with both of what you were just talking about, Brett. You mentioned. Uh, Woody's evolution and whether or not he uh, was ready for retirement. I think the scene that starts to solidify that is when Forky flies out the window of the RV uh, and then Woody is walking with him back to the RV park, which turns into the city, which turns into the adventure, right? But he's really reminiscing about Andy a lot there. And Mm -hmm. so I think... Woody is coming to terms with the fact that Bonnie is not his child, that really Woody was his child. And so mm-hmm. uh, he does have a job well done. You know, his his child was with him from the day he, you know, the, the day that he was given to him as a toy all the way up through wanting really to take him to college, thinking about uh, bringing this toy to college with you and mm-hmm. then uh, giving him to Bonnie at the end of Toy Story 3. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that was a really good uh, connection. And then that goes into the scene you're talking about yeah. where Forky is really receiving all that information and it, and Woody's tales of Andy is what kind of allows him to realize that um, 
that you know he has a role to play now because yeah. Bonnie has uh, ha- has kind of thrust him into this role that maybe he's not as comfortable with. Yeah. So it just it was a cool scene, and I thought that that was a bit of Tom Hanks being uh, classic Tom Hanks as yeah. well. Uh, just you know that that guy that everyone in America loves. You wise and, old sage, you <laughs> right. Um, and it just made me. I really enjoyed that scene. And then my other scene I've, I've hinted at or touched on is when Gabby becomes um, when she finds her child. Yeah. Just wrecked me. Um, really great. I, of course, loved a lot of the more action, funnier scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff with the dad trying to replace the tire even on the yeah. RV. That's not relatable for you? Or? I actually, <laughs> so literally the one thing that I know how to do in a car is replace a tire pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, but I did feel for him. So. Yeah. I got the impression that the bolts were too tight. Uh-huh. They were animate like he couldn't get them off. Yeah. And that, I think that's that's happened to me before yeah. uh, in the in the UIS parking lot, actually. Um, oh, wow. My brother had to come and, like, we both had to, like, jump on on, wow. uh, on our tire iron to get them loosened up. Because sometimes oh, those mechanics, they tighten them pretty yeah. tight. Um, anyway. Did, uh, did yeah. you like the, the, the playground with the, like, uh, lost toys and, like, the, the one that always wanted to do the high five and kept getting... <laughs> What I liked about not that, getting it. yeah. What I liked about that, it was such a juxtaposition to the kids at the daycare in Toy Story Three getting played with and being like terrified oh, of these yeah, little kids. Yeah. And so then you saw all these lost toys who haven't had that interaction with children, and they're like, "Oh, it's on! We're gonna do this!" You know. So yeah. it was kind of a cool to me. I noticed that right away, like that juxtaposition yeah. between the two, um, a toy that is overly abused and played with all the time, being like, "Oh my goodness." we've got to prepare for this, and then a toy that's underplayed with or lost that uh, finds that true joy in being played with by children. Yeah. I just really like how they can work in those small comic bits that it just these, I don't know, and they're just mm-hmm. a little toy, like this toy, like it's not even a big character, but then he's at the very end of the movie with the, uh, oh, who does he high five? Is it is it the do kaboom at the end? At the very end of the, well, anyway. Yes. So it's very, I don't know, it's just well done. Well done, comedic writers of Toy Story 4. You did a great job. All right. It's time for you to shine. Let's talk about those dummies and what you didn't like about this film. Okay. These dummies are terrifying. First of all, it was in the previews, and I was all excited about it until I saw this, and then I thought, no, this is not going to work, because this is not goosebumps, people. We don't need to relive that part of my childhood of being terrified by the ventriloquist dolls. And then they they were pretty scary. I mean, they didn't even talk. They just kind of like... Uh, like zombie moaned mm-hmm. and it was just and then they turned their head real quick and it was really sc- and then he knows how to sew which is frightening because if he can sew a toy then he can come and sew you at night <coughs> and that is terrifying uh, and Brett was sitting with me and he can attest that I jumped she did. pretty much every time yeah, that that I, that little dummy came out and, oh it's just so creepy and pushing the 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 nursery carriage around ah ugh, ugh terrible. Terrible. It worked for the well, movie, but it was did. really scary. Were yeah, you guys I, not scared? I, I mean, I, it did remind me a lot of Goosebumps uh, because, you yeah. know, Night of the Living Dummy is something that I read and then saw in the TV show and all that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. It kind of goes along with the uh, the antique shop. I don't know why they had so many ventriloquist dummies uh, in the antique shop. Weren't there like four or six of them or something like that? There were a lot. Um, there, there were an unusual amount. Yeah, um, but you know, well, I when you need when you need henchmen, go to a dummy. 
Yes, absolutely. That's a good mm-hmm. that's a good way to, to mm-hmm. think about it. Um, but you know, they didn't bother me as much. Um, still, mm-hmm. nothing to me is as creepy as <laughs> the large Ralph in Ralph Breaks the Internet. Uh, that still to me is like the Disney level of creepy. That um, was creepy to you. All the Ralphs crawling on each other it was terrifying. No, it was, just, didn't it, affect no me. it was like those um, those crabs. If they had become like yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. the on the beach. If yeah. they had become one Ralph and this been one Ralph, I would have been fine with it. But it was the fact that it was like <laughs> thousands of Ralphs all clawing at each other and trying to breathe and ugh, it was ugh, it was terrifying. <laughs> So the dummies did, didn't do it for me. We are giving away our biggest fears, and that could uh, be used against us someday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking notes anyway. <laughs> well, it, I would say it's a kind of a bit of a toss-up from the, wasn't there a creepy doll in the first Toy Story, like with a bad eye or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, but they that, turned out to be nice. I don't care. It was still really creepy. That is about on par with how I felt about the ventriloquist, but the ventriloquist got much more... Much more screen uh, time. Dolls got, yeah, more screen time, so it was more terrifying to Mm. me. But (laughs) there you go. That's that's what didn't work for me. Did anything actually not work for you guys? I I have a hard time. Well, you know, you're saying it didn't work for you. It sounded like it worked. It it, did. as far as the story goes. It works for the movie. Yes. It's just for me personally, was I was unsettled. Unsettled, yes. And it was an IMAX, which is also terrifying because your weight, it felt like we were going to fall, Brett. That was Brett's choice to do IMAX, and I'd never done it before. I'll tell you what, the, uh, I will never leave my recliner seat ever again for a movie. I just love that theater. Oh, that one, yeah. Um, See, we didn't go to that one. We went to the ones, the ones that rocked. Well, and I get it. Like, rock. it's a much smaller screen, and the IMAX, you get the better <laughs> experience, blah, blah, blah. But, but know, it felt I like Soren. I can sit back. Uh, it felt didn't like it feel like Soren? That's what I said when we got it. I'm like, this, this is going to be scary. Only when I was sitting next to you, I'm like going, uh-oh, this might be. I, I know. Said, I needed my duty meds. Yeah, I said, oh, my gosh. Are you going to need your duty meds? <laughs> I well in the beginning I thought maybe because I saw Dunkirk and IMAX I'm getting oh, a little off subject goodness. I got so sick from watching that movie because the camera movement yeesh that's yeah. insane so I was a little nervous for this film but it, it was okay it was good don't don't not go see it in IMAX if you're interested in IMAX yeah totally it. I got sick from Dunkirk because I thought movies should have a point anyway uh, oh I, <laughs> the movie without a plot um, I was hoping that Styles child would die. I don't know which one he was because none of them had a name. Anyway, my... Harry Styles, I was hoping, die. Oh, die. the One Direction kiddo? Yeah. I know, but I know, but literally I didn't know which one he was because I don't know what he looks like and none of them oh, had a I name. See. So was he the blonde-haired, blue-eyed no. kid or was he no. the other blonde-haired, <laughs> blue-eyed brown kid? He brown hair. Oh, he's brown hair. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. They all did. Well, mostly. Uh, <laughs> anyway. anyway, we're, um, we're way off, way off subject. Uh, reeled it back in. Uh, the I, you know, I would say um, I didn't have. There wasn't a lot in here that didn't work for me. One thing that did kind of, in a way, irk me. Uh, I'll say this is my didn't work for me. Where was our Pixar animated short before this movie? Where did it go? Oh, it yeah. disappeared. Gone. The heck? It better not be gone forever. And I understand there was outcry when they put Frozen, uh, you know, the Frozen Christmas special uh, before Coco. But my thing is, I, I truly hope that that didn't like ruin it for animation before, because like. Like seeing like lava uh, before Moana, uh, was it before Moana? Whatever. Uh, no, it wasn't. Mm-mm. I'm just putting the two of those together. But, but you know, there, yeah. like you, 
like seeing those shorts are just so much fun and oh, like yeah. kind of a bonus and I always get interested in seeing like what what they're going to bring and like bow before uh Incredibles 2 last well, that, year was that great. One, that, I I could have done without that one. That one was really weird, but <laughs> I don't know. I I just really I I really missed the, our animated short and I the other thing I am glad about is that Disney movies in particular and now Aladdin didn't do this either, but for a while there every movie was having the stars of the movie thank you for coming to the movie. Oh yeah. Um, and that didn't happen this time either and I'm, I'm glad that didn't happen yeah. because uh, that was getting old really quickly. That, yeah. Um, that was really uncomfortable that was unnecessary. with um, Incredibles. Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, like, it really took you out. I, and for me it was Mary Poppins Returns. Like I love Emily Blunt and Lin-Manuel Miranda but I don't want to yeah. see them like I don't want to see like blonde Emily Blunt hanging out there, and then Lin-Manuel kind of awkwardly reading from a teleprompter. It was just, anyway. So I'm glad that there's no thank you from Buzz and Woody. Uh, and I'm glad, or I'm sad, that there was no animated short. That's mm, Good uh, point. But as Excellent far as the movie point. is concerned, I I enjoyed it thoroughly. And yeah. I think uh, I think it hit all the right notes for me. Can but I? I'm well, still. Oh, go I'm ahead, st- Vanessa. Go I was just going to say, do you, do you think... So I, some of the critics were saying it was like an absolute cinematic masterpiece. Mm. Do you – that's the only thing that I went in and was like, okay, I don't know that I would call it a cinematic master. I think it was a very well done sequel. Why don't we hold that discussion for the end when we rank this amongst the other Ooh, Toy Stories? Ooh, okay. Because I think that uh, if I start to answer that question, I'm going to answer my rankings. We're going to go on a tangent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, but All right, go ahead, Brett. Tell us how the dolls didn't work for you either. No, I would say um, <laughs> let's see, the things that didn't work. I'm still struggling with Woody's, Woody's choices. I think I and I I don't. Did you think when I told you that it was it was kind of like Toy Story meets Sophie's Choice meets Bridges of Madison County? Yeah, you know because it's all about choices only. Yeah, um, you know well, Woody yeah. goes with you know yeah the, the girl this time. It, it, when we walked out of the theater, we were both kind of like, <laughs> huh? That that's surprising that he would totally abandon. Everything we Everything worked forward. That, I mean, yeah. we had three movies of uh, drilling this into leave our no head. Sto- I'm okay no with toy, it. I understand. But toy behind. Yeah, so. it was just kind of interesting to see this drastic change. I'm not saying they didn't give reasoning to make him change his mind. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think it's just a different part of his journey, a different part. Of, like, I, I mean, I really, like, this... This movie was in a way, a weird way, about retirement. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and so that was that was kind I, of I saw like yeah. he did a job well done and he's he's understanding oh, now that I think that's being very generous. I, but you don't think he did a job well done with Andy? I think we we've we've spent three, what, two and a half films, three three and a half films, uh, exploring how dedicated Woody is to hit whoever his child is, and then he just kind of gives that up. I think kind of he he went through a struggle, but I'm like going, you know. Well, I will I will say this <laughs> with uh, hearing your insight, Craig, about it being a retirement film. If I was going to make a retirement film, I definitely would bring uh, older retired film actors in and they did do that. They brought in Betty White, Carol mm-hmm. Burnett, and Mel Brooks. So if you're if you're gonna make a retirement film, at least they they had the the right steps into 
kind of making that. Whether it makes sense or not for the character, maybe that's to be I determined. Have to watch it again so I can listen for those voices. Well, I definitely remember Harry Mel Brooks. I don't remember Betty White or Carol Burnett, mm-hmm. but I, I definitely remember Mel because I was like, oh my gosh, Mel Brooks, he's uh-huh. alive still. And Carl Reiner. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, Carl Reiner, yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing is I, um, <laughs> speaking of voice acting, I still don't really hear Keanu in uh, Duke Kaboom at all. Do you guys? Oh, well, I uh, yeah, I do. Because <laughs> he's kind of always spacey. Like well, this is was he even you, acting? You, okay, have you watched his like um, the video of his um, recording sessions? Mm-mm. They don't sound great, but in but his in in the film he sounds great. Uh, yeah, you know. So maybe have was... you seen uh, definitely maybe or no? Always always be my maybe. That's it. No, always I haven't. My... Okay, that. The Duke Kaboom is kind of that character similar okay. to the fake Keanu Reeves character, and that I don't know. There, there's similarities, so that's uh, that's why maybe that because I just came off of seeing that movie. That's maybe why I could hear Keanu in his Duke Kaboom portrayal. I think, I think the producers had a bucket list of voice actors they wanted to work with. Mm-hmm. And you know, oh, when yeah. you're Toy Story Four and sure, uh, Disney Pixar, you, you can you can do what you want. Do you like to do um, Toy Story Four? I uh, I think that's a good time to transition and, and kind of start to do our wrap ups. And my wrap up, as hinted at earlier, is going to be ranking this amongst the the Toy Stories. So mm. uh, I will go first, uh, and that way it gives you just a second among to think the about Toy it. Toy Stories itself, um, or among all Pixar films, just the Toy Stories, because I think we've got four of them here, uh, okay. and. I, you know, where this lives in Pixar-dom, I'm not sure. Mm. But uh, I come back to what I said at the very beginning, that Toy Story 3 was my, that was the end of my trilogy with this, um, and Toy Story 3 really holds a special place in my heart. Um, <laughs> and it's just a, a cool story about growing up and uh, moving on and literally moving on. Um, and I, I thought that that was really neat. And so I would put this... Uh, and then I think you have to really give the original a lot of credit for the mm-hmm. fact that that built this universe. It gave us Pixar. Um, so I would put this movie in at three out of the four. But I will say that I really enjoy Toy Story 2 and I really enjoy Toy Story 4. I just um, I think that my personal feelings are that, that Toy Story 3 was that pinnacle for me. So... I could see where others would say that this was masterfully, masterfully done uh, because you've uh, got a fourth story that some people are leery of even putting on the screen. Um, was it like cinematic gold? Was it? Could it be ranked up there amongst the best animation mm-hmm. ever made? I still don't know. I, I, you know, I think that it was a really well done film, and I think it lived up to the rest of the franchise. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I would put it, probably at the moment, three out of four um, in my rankings. With Toy Story 2 being the fourth? <laughs> yeah, which is, uh, you know, Toy Story 2, I have actually a really interesting history with. I I think I've only seen it once um, because I was in high school when Toy Story 2 came out, and so I wasn't, I was too cool for Toy Story at that point. So I really need to go back and revisit it, and maybe those rankings would change. Uh, but because I know, like, Jake Smith in particular, like, that's maybe one of his favorite films of all time. So uh, I'll, I may have to go back and revisit Toy Story 2. But yeah, for my rankings, I would put it at um, Toy Story 3, Toy Story 1, Toy Story 4, Toy Story 2. 
Hmm. Uh, okay. Well, um, I do put it as uh, Toy Story 4 is number four. Um, Toy Story 1 is number one, then three, then two, then four. So you just swap uh, mm-hmm. three and two, and then other than that, it's kind of in chronological order-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would even go so far as to um, three just tears your heart out. And, uh, you know. This is really – so this I've noticed in the last few years because uh, I remember when Toy Story came out, thought it was hilarious. I remember when Toy Story 2, watching it with my mom – and or my, both my parents and they they were laughing so much and I remember thinking that was just so funny and like wow Toyster they did it again because that blooper reel at the end which they didn't do in this film interesting um, but I remember thinking that was hilarious Toy Story three I thought was really terrifying at the end like they were all going to fiery pit of despair and but it seems like in the last few years I've had um, per, uh, this is interesting it's just my observation particularly with guys thought that was like the greatest movie and I just kind of blew my mind I was like really I thought it was so scary so I will just leave my favorites in order with the asterisk of I haven't seen these movies in quite some time so Mm -hmm. I probably need to review them before putting them in order but one two three four I'll just leave it like that yeah okay and it's still, again, I'm just so, so surprised that the critics are giving a 98 per, Toy Story 4 and 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, which just blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, it's deserving of a high rating. I just, usually that's reserved for like really iconic, fantastic, cinematic, <laughs> historical pieces. Yeah. In a way, I mean, I think the. The tomato meter can be a little bit different just because, like, just because someone says they enjoyed it, it becomes fresh or whatever. So you really, I don't know. It, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I just think, um, I mean, I think it was a really, really well done movie. Does it? I, let me put it up against this test. Does it deserve to be nominated for best picture? I don't think so. Um, Toy Story three was. Uh, and maybe that was kind of like a, at the time an encapsulation uh, nomination, right? But to me, and then the other ones from Pixar that have been nominated, I think it's just been Toy Story. So it's been Toy Story 3, uh, Up, and I, I think WALL-E was nominated for Best Picture. Those are the three. And I wouldn't necessarily Ooh. put it in that category <laughs> of movies. Um, best Picture or Best Animated? Oh, they've all been nominated for Best Animated, and this will yeah. this will win Best Animated Picture would be my guess, unless something, you know, un- like Spider Man into the Spider Verse was great last year. I don't I don't really see. I don't think that there's any. Oh, I guess it'll be up against Frozen Two, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll see what Frozen Two does. Um, I, but I think it will probably get Best Song because they had Chris Stapleton mm-hmm. sing on the soundtrack, and he's really in and he's really awesome and amazing and I don't even like country but he is great. I don't know. They just released the track list and Elton John wrote a new song for Lion King. So so I'm sure Maybe they'll be competing against each other but I always think that's interesting to see who they get for the the song performer as as Brett coughs his heart out. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I do apologize to our listeners. No worries. It's just uh, you're you're dealing with a, a nasty cold over there, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to edit a lot of this out, so I'll edit this out as well. It's, <laughs> it's just a facade. He's really just been crying because we're all bummed out by the ending of Toy Story Four. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that the the three of us um, put Toy Story Four 
in the bottom of the pack uh, mm-hmm. of these Toy Story movies, probably all acknowledging that all the Toy Story movies in their own way have a certain charm and that they're all good. They're not, oh, yeah. not a bad movie amongst no. them. But uh, I think that that lends maybe some credence <laughs> to my thought that maybe this movie isn't for us. And maybe it's for... That's a good point. You know, maybe it's for uh, the younger generation. And we need to. I think move it was on a cash a grab. Sorry. I, Ooh. I just don't see it as There's a cash grab. There's a statement. I mean, obviously, it's going to make a lot of money, but I think that it had enough of a unique story to tell, and it moved the characters along. It moved that universe along, um, and you know. I, I mentioned this in one of our threads. In a world where we're preparing to see Bond 25, it's okay to have a Toy Story 4, uh, in my opinion. Oh, sure. You know, or how many, you know, we had we had eight Harry Potter films. We had uh, all these franchises that you can go on and on and on. We had all of these um, films and films and films. Uh, to me, four is okay. But that's just my opinion. Yep, yeah, well, yeah. Or they should have stopped at three. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. I think with that, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this full disclosure. Um, we have, you know, a, a lot of ideas swirling around about future episodes and where we want to go um, with things. So hopefully we'll bring something out to you uh, very shortly. Yeah, we'd, we'd like to do some Disneyland podcast, but not everybody's. Ben, oh, so. Well, the two of you better take the <laughs> reins on that so I have something to listen to when I'm planning. Oh, I there don't know. Go. Is there some talk about a Disney Cruise um, podcast? Now, I personally, I cannot be a part of that <laughs> because I have not been officially on a Disney Cruise. Now, well, maybe we'll but see. But I don't think I can be a part of this I just because love... apparently yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that I'm you're in the, the middle. <laughs> It's like, oh, the, the day that you guys find something to do without me, I'm going to be so devastated. <laughs> anyway, uh, but be listening. Uh, and I should say that in addition to going onto the NPR platform, uh, we are also going to be able to be found on Spotify now. So just search for Beyond the Mouse on Spotify. So exciting. And you can get all of our episodes. Uh, and we will be bringing more and more and more episodes coming forward. We are just about two months away from Brett's uh, adventure out to Southern California. And we also are just about a month away from all of us sitting around a table and talking <laughs> about a, a CGI Lion King. So excited Ooh, about all yes. things Disney. Um, and then we've got uh, some ideas for maybe some Disney Plus type shows and things like that coming up in the future, too. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, and hopefully, Brett, you get to feeling a little bit better yes, here. Yes, I'm sure I will. Yes. But yes, I, I'm very dedicated, and we already had this scheduled. So You are extremely dedicated. Yeah, People don't understand me. how dedicated <laughs> you are. So uh, thank you all so much, and thank you to my co-host for being uh, around the table with me. Yay. For Beyond the Mouse, I am Craig. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Brett. And we will see you real soon in the front row. Yeah.